I V M. Welcome to Yuddha, the Indian military history podcast. My name is Anirudh Kanesetti. I'm the creator and host of Echoes of India, a history podcast. Over the course of the next few months, I'm going to be joined by my friend and fellow history nerd Aditya Ramanathan. What's up Aditya? What's up General Kanesetti? I'm reporting <laughs> for duty. We are going to be walking you to the darker, blood-spattered side of Indian history. If you've mostly experienced Indian military history through Bollywood, well, stick with us. From war elephants to nuclear bombs and beyond, the history of violence in the subcontinent is not separate from the history of the subcontinent itself. And as we travel through the centuries, I hope you'll see that violence doesn't take away from the beauty and potential of India's past. Some of the greatest art that Indians have ever made is tied to war, and many of our most humane achievements and ideas were responses to violence. So let's tackle the bull by its horns. Aditya, I have a simple question for you. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are aware of this idea that ancient Indians were the most peaceful people and we have never invaded anyone ever in the last 5 bajillion years. So what exactly are we trying to achieve here? You know, this is one of those irritating myths that's actually built on a kernel of truth. The truth part is that yes, Indians did not go and build durable empires overseas, but that's not necessarily because Indians were super peaceful, right? Uh, yes india has these great traditions of non-violence as you pointed out but a lot of the time the peoples of the subcontinent were like pretty nasty and pretty freaking violent to each other also you know let's not forget indian warriors and soldiers have fought in foreign lands in really some of the greatest campaigns in human history what kind of campaigns are we talking about i here? can really go back to ancient persia's invasions of greece and right up to the world wars of the last century even independent india and pakistan have sent their soldiers to fight in other countries and guess what anirudh like armed indian and pakistani soldiers even today are some of the most active un peacekeepers in the world hang on hang on so what you're telling me is that from roughly 600 bc onwards indians have been fighting wars all over the world <laughs> let us come back to this this new myth that's like really really taking hold i mentioned bollywood when he started out and i think that's really relevant to talk about in this context why do you think that this myth is gaining so much traction right now what's it built in opposition to what's the basis of it all you know the flip side of that we've never invaded anyone myth is that uh india's history is itself this one long series of foreign invasions oh from alexander to akbar is it absolutely <laughs> and you know it's combined with a sort of rueful commentary about how if only indians had done this or indians had done that and mostly if indians had united we would have seen off those foreigners now look again here there is a kernel of truth in all of this okay foreigners have invaded india in fact we're going to be talking about those invasions in our podcast but they have not always had it easy hmm. Also most of them have indianized pretty quickly. I remember reading about uh, this this Kushana ruler called Kanishka and uh, I found it quite interesting that Kanishka because he's a central asian king right and his coins he calls himself Shahinsha but also Maharaja Dhiraja. Uh, and it's not just him like even Huns who invaded India you see they actually really do lean into indian ideas of kingship. Yeah and and you know this is this is obviously tied to political legitimacy right. Hmm. 
and what political legitimacy meant a thousand years back or two thousand years back is very different from what it means today. I mean, let's remember that our idea of national consciousness, you know, the sense that we are this one single political entity with the boundaries that we have now, it's a very <laughs> modern phenomenon. No, absolutely. I mean, if you look at the way the East India Company expanded, I think some of the biggest backers in the East India Company were Indian people. Absolutely. They were bankrolled by Indians. Indian states were buying weapons from them. And you can actually look at that principle and action Throughout in the India's history, if you look at the Portuguese getting into Goa, if you look at Vijayanagara buying arms from them, if you look at Bijapur buying arms from them, it's not really the case that Indian states think, oh man, these foreigners must be kept out at all costs. It's more like, how can we use these foreigners to our advantage? And very often, at least as you pointed out, foreign conquests of India have not been easy. The foreign conquests that have succeeded, succeeded very often due to actual hardcore military tactics and very often just a lot of dumb good luck. Yeah, and and those foreign invaders, their armies were frequently Indian. So it's frequently yeah, Indians fighting Indians. <laughs> and so this whole notion that you have to take sides with one with one group or the other is... It's something that just that's just beyond me. And one of the things that always blows my mind is like, so we're both based in Bangalore, as as our listeners should probably know. And um, so the Madras Sappers have this nice HQ near Alsur Lake, beautiful place, uh, very difficult to get into unless you're in the army and so on and so forth. And there's this nice banner out there saying, serving the nation since uh, what, 1789 or something. And... Um, in 1789, the Madras sappers were working with the British to defeat Tipu Sultan and conquer Bangalore. They were working with the Honourable East India Company. Oh, the Honourable East India Company, of course. My bad. So, I mean, let us just, um, again, let's just bring ourselves uh, back to Bollywood, right? I mean, uh, what really pushed us over the edge and made us finally decide to do this podcast is this new spate of movies that Bollywood is coming out with, uh, which have a, I mean, it's, I think, their political... Uh, bias is fairly obvious. Can you can you tell me what you think of that, Aditya? Okay, look, firstly, I'm a movie buff. So I'm really sympathetic to the challenges of these filmmakers. So anyone making movies faces a bunch of challenges, which are very different from those that you and I face, okay? To tell a story, you need to make aesthetic choices. Even when you know those go against the facts, right? You need to change someone's costume to suit a character. Maybe change someone's name because it's too similar to another character. Or, you know, remove some period-appropriate prop because it just looks too goofy to us today. Hmm. What really gets me, you know, is the, is this myth-making, telling comforting fairy tales about our past, which actually poison our minds in the present today. The idea that Hindus were always the good guys and Muslims always the bad guys uh, seems to be something that Bollywood is really heavily leaning into, the stereotyping. I mean, it's, 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 it's super, super problematic for the simple reason that in the 21st century, we need to be able to have frank and mature discussions about violence between religions. And you can't do that if you keep stereotyping. We need to talk about violence between regions, between communities, against the structurally marginalized. And we need to be able to have reasonable, evidence-based, frank discussions about it. Yeah, you know, uh, we don't intend to replace right-wing myth-making with left-wing myth-making. Oh, yeah. absolutely not. Yeah, and you know, but of course, this latest round of Indian myth-making is obviously inspired by 300, right? <laughs> I mean, that, you know, Zack Snyder documentary about the ancient Spartans. <laughs> Basically, I mean, if you look at, even if you just look at these trailers, right? The bad guys are always wearing dark clothes and they're essentially doing nothing but running straight at the good guys yelling, ah, these faceless hordes of people who exist only to show how strong and noble and heroic the hero is. Um, it's, it's, that's not really how war works. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously these depictions of combat really suck, right? If you ran hundreds of meters 
towards your enemy by the time you got to your enemy you'd be tired and panting <laughs> so nobody did that in real life <laughs> okay uh, the only time you run is uh, when you're within bow shot of your enemy hmm. so you want them you want to close at, the distance you want to close the distance before they can get off too many volleys or when you want to build momentum which for which you don't need to run 300 meters exactly i mean you just start cantering when you're 300 meters away and then start accelerating as you get closer and closer Yeah so you know I'm sure that audiences understand that what they're watching in all these movies is very fanciful and silly and all that uh but you know like we're discussing if if you really want to know or get a sense of what these fights look like this is the podcast for you because we're determined to figure that out to the best of our ability Anirudh and I will go all out in trying to understand the political and military reasoning of the kings of the generals but we're also like deeply interested in how ordinary people have experienced war or, you know what what it's like for soldiers uh what happens what happens when an army of tens of thousands tramples through your farmland you know and those people trampling through your farmland what drives these people to join these armies and then walk barefoot to some distant battlefield for a rendezvous with death if you're to look at any sort of indian cultural product over the last few thousand years until very recently until really post independence you can really see that the shadow of death the ever the constant presence of death violence bloodshed is everywhere uh you can see it in mughal miniatures you can see it in allo in the allora caves with this beautiful depictions of bhairava the fact that violence was an ever present part of life until very recently in human history i think it really needs to be appreciated um and part of it is i think tied to technological progress right? i mean back in the day you had to be able to defend yourself from marauding bandits and of course marauding kings and it wasn't really that difficult to make weapons all you had to do was like get a sickle maybe uh, hammer it a little bit and you got yourself a sword you have a crowbar hammer it a little bit you got yourself a spear and people did know how to fight people had to fight to defend themselves and states more importantly i think were nowhere near as strong as they are today you law and order was not something you could leave to your local policeman i mean not the people that in india today but you would have to actually fight off raiders yourself and very often i think one of the most interesting parts of indian history to me is how these essentially um petty chieftains who make careers out of defending their villages gradually accumulate more and more military power and then form a state of their own yeah you know uh, weak states and warlords are not necessarily something from the distant past uh, when states have collapsed as you see in the middle east you see warlords uh, rising and trying to form new states or proto states uh, you know there's a quote that's usually attributed to leon trotsky that goes you may not be interested in war but war is interested in you <sighs> yeah it's a bit of a cliche all right but it's really spot on war has shaped the history of the subcontinent it has shaped the states that we live in today like india none of us would exist without war without the military competition right and war is also war is also a strange beast because i mean if you went back a thousand years to the battle of koppam between the chalukyas and the choras which is a battle that by the way feature very prominently in our first episode if you went back to that battle you'd have no trouble recognizing that what was going on was war and yet wars today don't look anything like that so so this like the question is how did this huge transformation actually happen right so in this podcast anirudh and i are going to try to get to the bottom of all this but remember we don't have the freedom that movie makers have uh anirudh and i are going to be slaves to the evidence so we'll engage in some fun detective work throughout this podcast we'll try and tease out all the details that we can for you and i can assure you that whatever the results are 
they'll be stranger and more interesting than any fiction. But don't take my word for it. Actually, wait. Do take our word for it. We'll see you in our next episode, The Age of the War Elephant. Thank you so much. Thank you. Sachin Tendulkar, Virat Kohli, Don Bradman, and now Cyrus Brocha. Okay, probably not in the right company. I mean, Don Bradman is Australian, but it's called Cyrus Says. A wonderful show about everything. Find the show on the IVM Podcast app, ivmpodcast.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Do you wish you were smarter? Well, so do we. But the next best thing, we could make you sound smarter. And to help you with this endeavor, we are Simplified, Ooh. a podcast uh, that attempts to break down the complex world around you with a uh, little knowledge, a lot of poor jokes, and a ton of random trivia. Episodes out every Monday on the IVM Podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts. See ya. See ya.